This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let's continue here with industrial society and its future. We're on paragraph 105. It says the third and fourth principles result from the complexity of human societies. A change in human behavior will affect the economy of a society and its physical environment. The economy will affect the environment and vice versa. The changes in the economy and the environment will affect human behavior in complex, unpredictable ways and so forth. The network of causes and effects is far too complex to be untangled and understood. That's important. It says the network of causes and effects is far too complex to be untangled and understood. But, but, again, written in 95, 28 years later, what does Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the fourth industrial revolution in the World Economic Forum, say... Those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. Those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. And why is that so important, folks? Because back in 95, they did not have the ability to track all of us individually. Building a digital footprint on every single one of us, effectively creating a digital twin of us that lives in the cloud, lives on their servers, Right, They have the ability to track all the behavior. And so they can constantly monitor behavior. And so as they try to affect, all right, change in human behavior, they can in real time monitor the results. Also in 1995, they did not have everyone, let alone anyone, walking around with the monitoring system in their pocket, in their hand, on their wrist at all times. The Internet of Bodies, the smartphone, the Fitbit, the iWatch. We're walking around with those, constantly interacting with it. And we don't even have to be interacting. It's not that you have to be on Facebook or Twitter doing stuff or on TikTok or YouTube watching stuff or uploading videos. The phone is constantly watching everything and listening to everything. So it's feeding data in at all times. So they do have the ability, uh, if they orchestrate, let's say, I don't know, the, the situation with the planes, right? all the planes being grounded, they can monitor in real time all of the reactions going on digitally and in your real life when you're not actually or you believe you're interacting with your smart device. It's always monitoring this. Through your voice, through video, your smart TV is watching everything. All this could be processed as long as they have the computing power. And this is why they're so big on quantum computing, which they talk about at World Economic Forum all the time. 
that they will have the computing power to monitor this data at all time. So they know how well their mass manipulation campaigns uh, are going on, their psychological warfare campaigns are going on in real time, but they also have the ability to manipulate and change human behavior all the time through the personalized choose-your-own-adventure feedback loops that we are interacting with when we are on Google search, when we are looking at Facebook, when we are looking at Twitter, at TikTok, at YouTube, at Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, because they have the ability to put information in front of you, whether that's generated from real people or whether it's from bots or whether it's an AI algorithm just interacting with you and feeding you information to confirm your biases or drive you in other directions, manipulate you constantly. See, that when the author wrote this, he didn't even see this coming. Paragraph 106, the fifth principle. People do not consciously and rationally choose the form of their society. Societies develop through processes of social evolution that are not under rational human control. Uh, unless you go move to your own homestead, then you sort of control the society in which you're going to live in, which is withdrawing from this current society, which is a manipulated society, a controlled society, an engineered society paragraph 107 the fifth principle is a consequence of the other four paragraph 108 to illustrate by the first principle generally speaking an attempt at social reform either acts in the direction in which the society is developing anyway so that it merely accelerates a change that would have occurred in any case or else it has only a transitory effect, so that the society soon slips back into its old groove. To make a lasting change in the direction of development of any important aspect of society, reform is insufficient and revolution is required. A revolution does not necessarily involve an armed uprising or the overthrow of a government. By the second principle, a revolution never changes only one aspect of society. It changes the whole society. And by the third principle, changes occur that were never expected or desired by the revolutionaries. By the fourth principle, when revolutionaries or utopians set up a new kind of society, it never works out as planned. Now, let me point this out to you. We don't know, I don't know, if the author is actually writing this to you and me, if he's pushing folks to revolt against the system at the time, the industrial technological society technocracy that he's actually talking about, or is this a blueprint written for the actual technocrats and the elites who were trying to actually change society? See, when you listen to Yuval Noah Harari, sometimes, if you just read his words and you didn't watch him speak and you didn't know the audience he was speaking to, you didn't hear his voice, you didn't get to experience his demeanor, his facial expressions, if you just read the words, sometimes it looks like he's warning us, but he's not warning us. He's actually laying out the blueprints for the elites, for the scientists, for the technologists, for the engineers that are actually enacting this revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution.
So if this author is writing to you and me back in 1995, telling us that we will have to have a revolution against the system, we will have to rage against the machine. I don't know, is he talking to you or me, or is he talking to the folks that actually wanted to change the system, and they can only do it through a revolution? Because what he's talking about fits in perfectly with what we are experiencing and have been experiencing for quite some time. This revolution to drive us from the third industrial era into the fourth industrial era, from a technological society to a full-blown prison planet with the merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. Technocracy and transhumanism meet. I, I just think it's fascinating to think this way, folks. This is the type of stuff that keeps me up at night. Actually, it's Willie G that keeps me up at night, but uh, this stuff used to keep me up at night. It boggles your mind, folks. Paragraph 109. The American Revolution does not provide a counterexample. The American, quote, revolution, end quote, was not a revolution in our sense of the word, but a war of independence followed by a rather far-reaching political reform. The founding fathers did not change the direction of development of American society, nor did they aspire to do so. They only freed the development of American society from the retarding effect of British rule. Their political reform did not change any basic trend, but only pushed American political culture along its natural direction of development. British society, of which American society was an offshoot, had been moving for a long time in the direction of representative democracy. And prior to the War of Independence, the Americans were already practicing a significant degree of representative democracy in the colonial assemblies. The political system established by the Constitution was modeled on the British system and on the colonial assemblies. With major alteration, to be sure, there is no doubt that the Founding Fathers took a very important step. But it was a step along the road that English-speaking world was already traveling. The proof is that Britain and all of its colonies that were populated predominantly by people of British descent ended up with systems of representative democracy, essentially similar to that of the United States. If the founding fathers had lost their nerve and declined to sign the Declaration of Independence, our way of life today would not have been significantly different. Maybe we would have had somewhat closer ties to Britain and would have had a parliament and prime minister instead of a congress and president. No big deal. Thus, the American Revolution provides not a counterexample to our principles, but a good illustration of them. I think that's fascinating. If you really think about that, and again, if you want to dig deeper into issues of the Constitution and the founding, I highly suggest, and I'm not partners with him, uh, I don't 
promote him or anything like that. Uh, I happen to be a listener. I would listen to Legal Man over at the podcast, The Quash, because he really dissects this. I would read Lysander Spooner. He goes through a lot of this as well. But this author really is on point with that. Legal Man also explains sort of the, the real founding versus the founding that we were taught in the public indoctrination school system. And I know many people don't want to believe that a lot of that is a fiction and a fantasy, but a lot of the stuff we learned was really cherry-picked, and a lot of it was left out. Uh, but Legal Man has read, uh, as I have and many others have, uh, the writings of a lot of the people we'd call the Founding Fathers, and there is so much left out of the official narrative that many of the folks on the right find themselves to be so nostalgic over. Paragraph 110. Still, one has to use common sense in applying the principles. They are expressed in imprecise language that follows latitude for interpretation and exceptions to them can be found so we present these principles not as in inviolable laws but as rules of thumb or guides to thinking that may provide a partial antidote to naive ideas about the future of society the principles should be borne constantly in mind and whenever one reaches a conclusion uh, that conflicts with them, one should carefully re-examine one's thinking and retain the conclusion only if one has good, solid reasons for doing so. Industrial technological society cannot be reformed. All right, Technocracy cannot be reformed. Uh, that's what this author is saying. Now, if you go back to 95 and look at the state of the industrial technological system technocracy of 1995 and then you look where we are today okay no one has revolted against that system it has only grown all of the pieces of technology that we see today are extensions of and they are what create the culture of technocracy the technocratic society it all goes together. It is only grown. It has only expanded. It has only limited our freedoms and our liberties and our ability to prosper. It has only limited that. I mean, prosper in the sense of a human, not to get money to buy materialistic things. I don't measure freedom and liberty uh, in the context of consumerism. I don't believe that I am free because I can open up my smartphone, click on Amazon Prime, buy a uh, mobile, a crib mobile for Willie G and have it delivered to my house in uh, 24 hours. I, I don't see that as freedom. I see that as perceived convenience that has trapped me into a system of slavery. Because over time, I have seen the people that used to make wooden toys and things like this for children who owned a little shop in the center of town that I could go down and buy something from that man who created it with his own hands. I see that gone. I see that system more as a system of freedom and human autonomy than I do buying something from Jeff Bezos and Amazon who control over 50% of the uh, retail and distributor supply chain. I don't see that as freedom. I see that as me being locked into a system of slavery uh, where I have to rely on that. Why? Because when they decide that they're going to clamp down and not let you buy anything with your central bank digital currency tokens, 
Amazon is going to be the first one who limits what you can buy. They're already in partnership with the government. They're in partnership with the governments around the world. They house over 50% of the internet. I mean, that we know of, that they admit to. So they are the consolidation of the production of goods and the distribution of those goods and services. That's what this is about. It's consolidation. So as the author points out back in 95, that technocracy cannot be reformed. It would have to be completely destroyed. And as you see, it wasn't destroyed. And look how big it is today. Look at their plans for 2030 and look at their plans for 2050. And this is why I say, even if you had a seat at the table, you cannot sit there and debate these folks. And say, well, we can still have Amazon, but Amazon isn't allowed to do this. Or we can still have artificial intelligence, but it can't be used to manipulate us. Or we can still have brain chips going into people's heads, but it it, it can only cure their paralysis, but it can't manipulate them. Now, I mean, how can you reform a system like that? Think about that, folks. Think about that. I'm going to take a short break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. And there's a big point I want to make. I I hope I remember to do it at the end of this segment. I don't want to put it in right now, but it was something I was just thinking about over the break, folks over the break all right let's continue here with industrial society and its future we're on paragraph 111 uh and remember we just ended by the author saying industrial technological society that's technocracy cannot be reformed folks it can't be reformed and that's what we'll talk about at the end of this segment here paragraph 111 the foregoing principles help to show how hopelessly difficult it would be to reform the industrial system in such a way to prevent it from progressively narrowing our sphere of freedom. There has been a consistent tendency, going back at least to the Industrial Revolution, for technology to strengthen the system at a high cost in individual freedom and local autonomy. Think about that, how true that is. He says, there has been a consistent tendency going back at least to the Industrial Revolution for technology to strengthen the system at a high cost in individual freedom and local autonomy. See, the system continues to get stronger, more centralized, right? And it sucks up our individual freedom and autonomy at the local level and in our individual lives. Uh, Think about that. It's very important, folks. It's very important because this is so true. Hence, any change designed to protect freedom from technology would be contrary to a fundamental trend in the development of our society. So on point. Consequently, such a change 
either would be a transitory one, soon swamped by the tide of history, or if large enough to be permanent, would alter the nature of our whole society. This is by the first and second principles. Moreover, since society would be altered in a way that could not be predicted in advance, which is the third principle, there would be great risk. Changes large enough to make a lasting difference in favor of freedom would not be initiated because it would be realized that they would gravely disrupt the system. So any attempts at reform would be too timid to be effective. Even if changes large enough to make a lasting difference were initiated, they would be retracted when their disruptive effects became apparent. Thus, permanent changes in favor of freedom could be brought about only by persons prepared to accept radical, dangerous, and unpredictable alteration of the entire system. In other words, by revolutionaries, not reformers. Now, I I just want to point out here, okay, it is my belief, whether it be in 1995 or today, and I've thought through this, I spent hundreds of hours of my life racking my brain through everything we've covered here in 132 episodes to having read this paper multiple times throughout my life, putting this in context to all the other stuff I've studied, whether it be Marxism, progressivism, leftism, uh, everything I've studied in my life. And now the last uh, couple years really studying technocracy in depth, understanding the culture, sort of the, the, the it's not even an ideology, it's really a culture. Uh, and it's and it's been ingrained inside us now, and just watching people be brainwashed and mind controlled and mind hacked, uh, and walked right into this, right into this trap. I do not believe. I'm being honest with you. I do not believe there is going to be a revolution, not anytime soon, anyway, that is going to overthrow the culture of technocracy because I believe it is actually ingrained inside the majority of people today. And if you're listening to this show, you're probably point, uh, part of the point zero 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 one percent of people that even understand this. I've been studying it for a long time, and I frankly don't fully understand it. So, People would have to understand it, the history of it, the ideas that go behind it in order to revolt against it. So no one can actually revolt against it. Plus the folks that understand it, are we prepared to revolt against a system that the majority of people are happy and comfortable living inside of? Now, they may be happier being free, but they at least perceive that they're happy inside of this system let alone trying to get people to understand what it would be like to actually step outside of this system of technocracy. So I do not believe there will be a revolution to overthrow or overcome technocracy, to destroy it, and to usher us into some new freedom-based society, going back to some primitive society, because there aren't enough people that are ever going to do that. And you're not going to get people to ever agree on an idea in order to have a meaningful revolution anyway. But I think the true revolutionary uh, lives inside of you to revolt against the system by withdrawing from the system and doing it in a very smart way, doing it in a calculated way, 
doing it in a way that it's not going to end up hurting your family, either in the short term or the long term. Because if you fully understand the ramifications of withdrawing from the system, you can do it in a way that is actually going to be a benefit to yourself and your family. So I don't believe there's ever going to be uh, some great awakening and everyone is going to revolt against the system. I don't see people taking their uh, internet, taking it out of their house, removing their uh, smart devices. I I just don't see that happening in mass. Uh, Nor, if you truly believe in freedom, if you actually believe in freedom, you cannot try to force other people out of a system which they apparently want to live inside. You know, if they want to put the plug into the back of their head and live inside the matrix, who am I to tell them they're not allowed to do that? I just want to be able to withdraw from the system and live my life, my life the way that I see fit. I don't want them coming and trying to jam the matrix plug, the cable back into my head. You know, that's all I'm really fighting against, our autonomy to be able to leave the system. All right, paragraph 112. People anxious to rescue freedom without sacrificing the supposed benefits of technology will suggest naive schemes for some new form of society that would reconcile freedom with technology. Okay, this is important because this would be uh, critiquing me, right? Living one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix. Now, the reason why I present that Okay, to you folks, I did since episode one, is because that would seem to be a rational approach to most people that are not willing to completely cut the cord, cut their leash, turn off the electricity, you know, and cook out on a fire. Okay, if I started off my show that way, I don't think anyone would have listened. But this author critiques my idea of living one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix. If I had the ability to snap my fingers and live completely off the grid would i do it uh i think i would because it is i do not believe that technology and humanity can actually coexist i don't believe they can i thought it through i think that the direction we're moving in proves that technology will eventually engulf humanity and destroy it All right, so let me reread that and we'll continue. People anxious to rescue freedom without sacrificing the supposed benefits of technology will suggest naive schemes for some new form of society that would reconcile freedom with technology. Apart from the fact that people who make such suggestions seldom propose any practical means by which the new form of society could be set up in the first place, it follows from the fourth principle that even if the new form of society could be once established, it either would collapse or would give results very different from those expected. So this would be, for instance, going out and creating uh, our own subdivision, our own new county, where we farm and we also have access to technology, saying that that kind of a planned society wouldn't work. And I think what would happen, I've thought about it before, is, is immediately the technology would start coming in and destroying it. Now, I'm not... Um, Opposed to this because their cycle of civilization, cycle of society, it's just like a human. They're born, they live, they die. So if we broke away right now and formed an Amish community, 
Eventually, technology would creep in because it's all around us. It's all outside of that system, that community. And I've heard stories now. I know the Amish actually are starting to adopt some technology uh, in some of the areas inside the Amish communities, even in Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania. So you're seeing it creep in. So let's say you reduce the technology in this new community by 80%. So you're starting with 20% of what you're living with today. It might take a generation or two or three to come back. So I don't think it's a horrible idea to try to develop a society like that because you're bringing yourself back closer to freedom. Are you going to have 100% freedom? No. But if you have 60% more freedom than you do today, that's not that bad of an idea. All right, that's how I see it. Uh, I, I've said to you before, if you're going to debate folks that are extremists, that want full-blown technocracy, transhumanism, and engineering humans out of existence, you have to debate based on the extreme, which is no technology at all. But in reality, if you're going to be rational and realistic, I think you have in your mind, your plan, your goals is some sort of a middle ground that actually pulls you out of the system. You live with maybe some elements of the system of which you raise your kids and grandkids to know about and the reasons why you're using it as a tool. Over time, that community will begin to crumble and be engulfed by technology, but it won't happen as fast as it's happening around us today, living inside the actual matrix. Paragraph 113, So even on very general grounds, it seems highly improbable that any way of changing society could be found that would reconcile freedom with modern technology. In the next few sections, we will give more specific reasons for concluding that freedom and technological progress are incompatible. And that's exactly what I have talked about, folks. I have talked about on this show. That technology, and I don't just look at it as freedom, I look at it as humanity. Technology and humanity cannot coexist in harmony. It's evidenced uh, by what's going on today. And as we started out, in the the middle of this section, he says industrial technological society cannot be reformed, meaning technocracy cannot be reformed. What's happening today, where you're watching technology actually be used against humanity to limit humanity, eventually engineer humanity out of existence, either technology was created for the very purpose of doing what it's doing, or technology naturally grows towards what it's doing. So you would have to believe that everything we're witnessing is an unintended consequence of technology. But to be 100% honest with you, I actually believe that everything we're witnessing is an intended consequence of technology. I don't actually believe that there's technologies that were developed that were not for the purpose of limiting humans' involvement in whatever that technology is actually replacing. It's complicated. It's a nuanced discussion. I think it's uh, difficult for most to absorb this. I'm still a student of this, folks. I don't think I'll ever crack the code. But this is a very important paper. Uh, This is a very important discussion for those of you who feel like something is wrong. You're trying to understand this. You want to figure out how to escape this system. Well, you need to have this discussion here at the Dustin Gold Standard, and you need to have this discussion with yourself and then eventually with your spouse, with your children, with your loved ones. Don't go seem crazy, folks. Think this stuff through.
think about if you truly want to exit the system, if you're going to you know, continue to live in the system, if you're going to withdraw somewhat from the system, there are many things you can do, and we're going to continue to work through that here at the Dustin Gold Standard. Folks, leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. Think about joining pain.tv slash gold for less than $9 a month, and feel free to leave us a donation. We'd really appreciate it. We work hard over here to bring you this show. That's donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. Until tomorrow, we'll continue with Industrial Society and its future, and then we have some guests coming up over the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Have a great evening. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.